Do you, do you remember that show 321 Contact? Did you ever yeah. see that? I'm yeah, but kid. I don't remember anything else about it. It was uh, like a really early 80s show, so it was very easy for us to not remember because we were like tiny babies when it was out. Yeah. But it, it was played in it was played in um, classrooms a lot because it had all sorts of science. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of basic kind of classroom science stuff in it. So it was okay. like edumaca- it was educationals. Yeah. Um, I remember the song or I remember there was a song. I'll tell you, if you go back and watch that again, it will melt your fucking brain. I actually don't. Rem- I don't. It's one of those <laughs> things where you're like, I love the opening theme song to one, two, three contact. And you go back and watch it. And you're like, that's that's not what it is. And you're yeah. like, well, I mean, it, it definitely is what it is but you're when you're prior to the age of seven your brain melds and melts everything you consume into this phantasmagoric jubilee of of wild nonsense yeah that's that's kind of what i was saying last time about like how how terrifying the monsters were on the animated ghostbusters show like they were, yeah. they were absolute nightmare creatures, like created by Stan Winston himself. Like they had intricate corpse designs and like super scary. They're not. They look ridiculous. They they yeah, look like they yeah. shouldn't even be in the show because everybody else is drawn as a like reasonable looking person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very um the the child the childhood brain is fans, fascinating in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia, that weirdo with me, when he's not chasing Sam Neal through an unending series of delirious nightmares at the peak of anxiety is Gavin. <laughs> is that um, Event Horizon? Uh, I I wanted to make it vague enough that it's possible that or it's like Jurassic five different Park. movies. <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's basically any movie with Sam Neill in it um, yeah. fits what I just said. Hunt for Red October. Uh, <laughs> why won't these people just leave Sam Neill alone? Um, <laughs> he's got such a hard life over and it's over again. Two hands. Okay. And this weirdo with me who won't stop urinating on himself because he's upside down is Hess. <laughs> God damn it. That is a okay. very inside thing. <laughs> yeah. That's not even can't even explain that. <laughs> I don't mean like I don't mean because it's like scandalous, it just doesn't make any sense. Um so easier enough to go by. Uh we, we that was like a joke for by seven-year-olds. We are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit you, uh, benefit of you, dear readers. Um, reminder: check out the Instagram. I'm a couple episodes behind, but I'm gonna actually be on it. And um, b- because it is a Gavin topic, yeah. I almost said it backwards, but I I did the work. Uh, it I, it is my job to bring something for the segment. That we call... Villainous Vocabulary. And for Villainous Vocabulary today, I have Cabotage. Cabotage. C-A-B-O-T-A-G-E. Ruining something with cabbage? It sounds like it is, right? Yeah. It's like if you could start a revolution in France France with heads of lettuce or something. Uh, no, not not nearly as funny. Cabotage, spelled C-A-B-O-T-A-G-E, very similar to sabotage, is coastal navigation, the exclusive right of oh. a country to control the air traffic within its borders, is... Cabotage. Huh. Um, I did so know that, yeah. If, uh, if the Lebanese shoot down some Israelis over their airspace, 
They can send over a text message to their generals that, listen all, y'all, it was cabotage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to put a drop, you know, I'm going to put a drop in there for that. I didn't find that word with that joke in, in mind, but what do you, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, you gotta what make are you do. going to do? All right, let's get out of do with the cabotage you're given. <laughs> when life gives you cabbage, you got to make cabotage. <laughs> and it is a you topic. Can, yeah. should, do you want me to imagine something? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, um, imagine, if you will, that you live on um, 1314 Mockingbird Lane in the fictional city of Mockingbird Heights. Uh-huh. One morning you wake up, go ahead, go ahead. and as you're making your coffee, you look outside your kitchen window to see your neighbor, a large green man with an unusual head shape, burst through his front door. Uh-huh. Give it. Do you know what it is? <laughs> it's a is is it some monsters? It is a monsters. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a pretty easy one. Give a little schism, and then. Uh, Sophisticatedly and with poise, his wife skitters up behind him and hands him a lunch pail, or doesn't, depending. Uh-huh. Followed by their child, a small man with a widow's peak, and I forget <laughs> when the grandfather comes out, but I th- thought that you would get it by now, I so I don't I, have any more. I think Grandpa is either last or toward the end, I th- yeah. but I can't, I think maybe he's last, because he's kind of like a, and, and what's his butt? It's either him or the normal girl. Um, I, I can't remember, but, uh, okay. The primary topic is, uh, Herman Munster, um, played by Jeff Daniel Phillips in Rob Zombie's new Munster. Oh, movie. okay. So, so, <laughs> oh, okay. So not Fred Gwynn. Nope. But, but I'm going to talk mostly about, uh, the movie I just watched. Okay. Well, I, I have not seen it, so this will be Ooh. okay. I'm gonna, I'm clicking on this this actual guy, Jeff Daniel Phillips. What? I, Cassandra Peterson is the is the mom. How did I not notice that? What? No. How did I? How did how did an Elvira swing past me? It says that Cassandra Peterson is somebody. She's playing yeah, she's Barbara, Barbara Carr, Carr, a real estate agent. Oh, that's the real, that's the, the normie. How yeah. ironic. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I got confused. Now I def- now I definitely have to see it if Elvira is that um, high listed in the show. I did yeah. not, I did not realize <laughs> that there was a bunch of Elvira in it. So I, sh- I should have paid more attention. No. Well, let me Elvira give you an example. Yeah. Okay. There's some so, Elvira um, in it. Uh, another, um, Weird uh, couple of stars in it is Pat Priest and Butch Patrick, who were from the original one. You could say that they were in it, but the character that claims uh, that the movie claims is Butch Patrick is a robot suit that doesn't talk in its real voice, <laughs> like that doesn't talk in a normal voice. So, like, I don't know what's with that. <laughs> plausible, plausible <laughs> deniability, Patrick. Yeah, like, like like Rob Zombie couldn't get him. <laughs> it's a, it's almost kind of like a gag where if you like if you wanted to have an alibi where he'd actually been he has actually been dead for three months and they need yeah. to have kind of like a reverse weekend at Bernie's kind of thing where we we need him to be alive for the insurance payout, <laughs> but he's got he has to have lived past aunt bertha's birthday yeah here he is in this robot suit in this movie (laughs) okay so this year's new rob zombie uh the monsters right uh feature film starring sherry moon zombie as lily monster and jeff daniel phillips as herman monster 
I have to say that I'm a, I have been a little skeptical of the way that guy's head looks, but that's literally my whole take on the whole thing. <laughs> um, I haven't. I have. I have virtually no opinion about it whatsoever. Well, Jeff Daniel Phillips saves the whole thing because it is not okay. very good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you heard it here for, first, folks. So, um. Well, just top down, what 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 is good or not good about it? Well, you see, this is the weird thing. Like, um, a lot of people are hating it, just absolutely hating it. But I don't uh-huh. think that they had ever seen, I don't think any of these critics had ever seen, like, an original Monsters episode. Like, the, the Monsters wasn't, like, um, the Sopranos or anything. It didn't have, like, sophisticated, um, super-dimensional characters with um, uh-huh. intricate jokes or anything. It was mostly gags and, like, yeah, side joke slapstick and simple stuff like that. So, like, the Yeah, it's the, the, it's the Flintstones, but with, you know, guys yeah. and, and Dracula, cheap Dracula yeah, costumes. In, in that spirit, it lives up to it completely. But, I mean, you could have upped it a little. <laughs> okay. Um, but, like, one thing's for sure. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it was... Um, unwatchable or terrible or anything a lot of other people are saying and the way that it's bad is the way that you would kind of want it to be bad um and one thing's for sure is like whenever the monsters is being discussed like forever into the future this movie's gonna come up so okay like that's that's an accomplishment in itself and um just like all of other all the other rob zombie movies that he's made after I watch it, I think about it periodically. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and I'll, I'll find myself, like, wondering and pondering, like, tempted to go back and, like, watch the entire movie again to see it so that I won't be thinking about this again. And if a movie does that, then it has accomplished something. It's definitely done some type of uh, art. Because... um uh, there's a lot of bad movies that you can watch and forget about, or when you remember them, you say, "Oh, I dislike that," and then immediately forget about them again. And yeah, there's a lot yeah, of good movies that you watch nice. and love. Yeah, there's a lot of good movies that you watch and love, and then um, immediately forget about also, even though you felt great about it. Um, but Rob Zombie movies always have me thinking back on it and thinking like, "Well, that was weird." Or that was an odd choice for a director to make. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's better to be something than to be forgettable. I will I will agree with that. A lot of it is like groaners and dad jokes, and it's done um, overdramatically and intentional. And it's kind of what you would expect. Um, except I, I expected things to be along the lines of way more adult than they were. Like, this is definitely a movie that you could show babies and toddlers and little kids. Right. Like, like there's nothing offensive in it. Um, I mean, to children, I'm sure that it's offensive to some people. <laughs> <laughs> but in a, in a more esoteric way. Yeah. It's no, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have, uh, boobs and F-bombs in it. No, it not is, at all. There's no, there's no cannibalism or axe-wielding maniacs. No, not, not really. There's certainly jokes, like, like flat um, jokes that, that land on a groan jokes about well, cannibalism. Well, I mean, it's technically, it's, it's, it's rated PG, so, you know, they're, they're going for the, the wide, um, you know, hocus pocus audience there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. they're, go- they're going for that October Christmas time, eight year old, um, whose parents or grandparents require that they watch this because everybody will at least enjoy it a little bit. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> that they're looking for that audience. So I, yeah, I kind of get it pretty much. I, <laughs> I didn't think that hocus pocus was all that great. I mean, it, how dare it's just, I? It, 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 no, I mean, Hocus Pocus is fine. It's it's I, the, it's less about that and more that you're you're aiming at that. Um, oh, you I know. You're, I know. You're, I'm aim, just, you're, I'm you're just trying to get that on, money. I'm just commenting on how batshit uh, every meme g- goes about Hocus Pocus. I I'm kind of I'm I'm digging around a little bit, man. I'm just noticing how for 
um, one thing that's notable about it is how uh, extremely colorful it is. Oh and, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's, it's it's astounding. It's certainly it's certainly using your blacklight poster traditional Halloween color palette, and you've got a lot of you know hot potion greens and eerie blues. Yeah, and. You know, there's a lot of kind of uh, the the cramps 1960s oh, yeah. ultra cool um, visual aspects, but um, yeah, it's very it's very childish and yeah. very and very broad. You know, there's I'm seeing you know grandpa grandpa's stepping through a hole in the door that is is silhouette. You know, yeah, and it's it's it is very um, it's very broad. You know. It, it it's not it it really is two steps over from Flintstones. Yeah, it is. There's, uh, right. There's yeah. There's entire scenes where the background was like animated. Yeah, sure. Because Rob Zombie loves that. And I mean that's a way to go. And when you're doing <laughs> things, when you're making a PG movie, yeah, you know you have a different you have a different container to fit inside of, and it's not inherently bad. But yeah. you did. But you didn't like it. So what is what is it that is not um, what doesn't have traction for you? Because um, it, it really it seems like you don't hate it. No, I don't but hate it. You don't but, like it. But it's it it the 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 biggest thing that bothered me about it was that um, the style and the jokes, the simplicity, and all of it um, has this dryness and kind of pauses it, like in between the uh, action and everything for something that's missing that I realized like uh-huh. really should be in it in the middle of it. And that's a laugh track. I see. Like I there's see. no laugh track for it. And it seems like it was made to have one. Yeah. And it, it's just yeah, kind of, that's, <laughs> it's, you know what? And that can be, that can be massive. Yeah. Because, and it, and it's, it seems, I mean, it seems like, um, it shouldn't matter that much, but if you take anything that does use a laugh track and yeah, it ma- it matches its mood. You know, like for instance, there's this meme, um, or or rather, I think it's an I think it's an Instagram maker or a TikTok maker that is called um, let's see, uh, Sign Peaks, I think, and it's just a gag where they take a Seinfeld scene of like Elaine running in and giving her monologue about how she almost got to the airport on time and she she was driving in her pajamas and they take the laugh track and the rest of the soundtrack out other than her speaking and they add in the the Twin Peaks music that they play when she gets like (laughs) eerie and strange, like the... And and it turns it into a completely different thing. And, and, and laugh track is one of those, um, you know, one of those two ingredients, you know, laugh track is, um, as artificial as it is. And as, um, as, as much as people can hate on the use of a laugh, a laugh track, it's important because it stimulates a part of our brain that tells us that it's you have permission to be laughing at this. Yeah, that that other intelligent apes get the joke. Yeah, and you're not an you're not an insane person for laughing at this, and and that prompt is is frequently just like the little nudge that you need to find something um, you know uh, entertaining as opposed to just like looking at it and going, huh? What well, I wonder is that was that part meant to be funny or not? Yeah, yeah, this this movie definitely needs it because there's um there's some jokes that end and it doesn't seem like it ended. And um the the scene will cut. The, like the scene will cut moments after the joke as the camera like yeah. just kind of stays and it's it's 100% where a laugh track would go because otherwise yeah, exactly. they could just say the line and the scene would be cut like like cut to the next scene. But <laughs> You're going to hold there for the, the joke to reel out. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, specifically, we're here to talk about um, Herman, Herman Munster, Munster. Uh, originally portrayed by Fred Gwynn yeah. on the 1960s show that ran from 64 to 1966, which I actually had assumed that it ran a lot longer than that, but... Um, 
that was probably a lot of damn episodes. I should I should get a look at here how many episodes that is. It was a standard thirty minute black and white sitcom from the mid '60s. It was obviously the um, you know the show that was the other half of the Adams Family. Yeah. Uh, on competing networks, and people thought comedic monsters were great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> similar era as Adam West's Batman. You know, so. Quality at-home family entertainment for the whole family. You know, boys with whirly gigs on their hats and shit. Yeah. Uh, so, Gavin, did you watch a lot of the original The Munsters? Um, I did, because... but um, I'll be damned if I can remember any of it. Because <laughs> it, it was kind of just on the television. And um, mm-hmm. whenever The Munsters... Were, were just like on the TV. It was kind of the same thing as like the Brady Bunch or uh, Gilligan's Island. Is like I'm not watching TV at that time. I'm just running around the living room like a like an insane child. Uh, yeah, and, it it does it does seem to have, be a bit. Um, it's it's kind of the television wallpaper of something that has already happened thirty to thirty five years ago, yeah. at least for, for for people of our age. Yeah, I, and I, I get that. I I I have watched a good bit of the Munsters. I'm more of at least in the terms of the shows. I'm actually more. It, it, it this vacillates because I, I people are going to hear me just say that I like one more than the the other, and it's actually quite complicated, but. Sometimes I'm more of a monsters, uh, more of a monsters person than I am a Adams family person. Gasp. And it's just a it's just a mood thing. Some I mean I like actually like both a lot. It's not like um you know I have like a monsters household and we refuse to talk about Gomez Adams or something. It's just <laughs> it it it's it's just that they're a, a little bit of a different flavor. If you had to describe it, what is the primary difference between um, Herman oh. Munster and his family and Adam's family? Because if you don't know, I have a whole thing. Uh, so yeah, I, the, it's not like there's a correct answer, but I have my little spiel about the it. The Munsters is way more f- fictional. Like um, interesting, okay, yeah. the The monsters has more cartoon in it. the The monsters has more um, uh, zaniness. Um, yeah, the, it's yeah, it is. It is. It is a more like broadly zany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The Adams family uh, had very like calm jokes. Like uh, yeah, n- nobody exploded yeah. through anything. <laughs> Yeah, the Adams family had its tongue way farther in its cheek where you could yeah. you could play you could play the gags um kind of flat and you know like Wednesday and Pugsley preparing to you know murder the neighbors yeah was kind of like <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny on a level where you don't have to kick the audience in the ass and go like get it it's a joke like you're like holy yeah. shit that little girl's a fucking psychopath yeah. and there's something in there's something inherently um uh, there's a tension there you're like that's that's fun i you know and also particularly <laughs> yeah. if you know a lot of little girls you will run into a little girl maybe who's not a psychopath but whose temperament kind of gives you that vibe you're like this yeah. is there's something to this actually um but to to uh, i'll tell you exactly what is the main difference between the monsters and the adams family yeah, okay. Is the Munsters are working class. Ah. That is the primary that is the primary difference. Yep. In terms of talking about the characters. Because yeah. the Munsters, the premise of the show on the Munsters is very frequently Herman needs to go get a new job because no one will hire a Frankenstein man, <laughs> right? It's yeah. a, he's kind of the Frankensteinian version of Amelia Bedelia, where he's always trying to, you know, this today he's a parking lot at parking meter attendant, <laughs> or today he's a janitor or whatever, because people don't they, you know, the, you couldn't just make him a bouncer or a circus freak yeah. because that doesn't fit the comedic reality that the world um, constructs, right? Whereas the Adams family just they just are. Yeah. They don't have any. Fu- yeah. They don't have any fucking jobs. No, they, they don't. They're they live the careless, 
um, artistic uh, lives of the aimless bourgeoisie, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> they, 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 you know, they, they, you know, they trim their <laughs> black garden and fence and, you know, throw beautiful balls with their bizarre, um, you know, wide flung relatives. Th- right. That does describe the Adams family. <laughs> Gavin <laughs> uh, uh, is really deep on the M jokes today, in reference to our friend, uh, our friend's good good friend of the show, the Adamses, yeah. but with one with one D, who are um, also who were, always who fencing com- and comically and- similar to the Adams family, and I don't think they, I don't, I don't know if they appreciated that or not. I don't think they did. <laughs> no. No, the um, yeah the um, the the greater er- Austin slash Morgantown area Adamses have a um, very acute but narrow sense of humor that does not involve themselves. Yeah, uh, but th- yeah, the well, I I fucking hate it too. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean to be eccentric and to be named Adams is you know you know it's just one of those buttons you're expecting for yeah. you to to smash to yeah, smash would, on. I would but I would absolutely hate it. When you send your only child upstairs to, to you know, like masticate on his one hundred thousand action figures in the in the in the spidery attic upstairs for hours and hours on end, you maybe draw you may draw some comparisons. But we're getting we're getting we're going down a deep. Alley that is unnecessarily. We're going into um, Adam's territory. P- perilous. <laughs> and how would we define what uh, our subject today of um, uh, the character of Herman? How would we describe? You know, what is Herman? He's obviously. Well, you tell me. You you did the homework. Um, Herman Munster is um, kind of a one-dimensional character. Uh, in in um, Rob Zombie's iteration here, he's got the brain and I guess he- entire head of a stand-up comedian. Okay, um, but also he's made out of different parts from a bunch of different things. He's got the arms of a pianist, um, and the uh, it it is insinuated g- genitals of a werewolf. <laughs> um. But ha- like you do. having all of these things uh, puts him in kind of an existential crisis where he doesn't know what he wants to do, and he's having like a, a, a occupation identity crisis um, until he meets Lily, and then that becomes the focus of uh, the plot. Um, I th- this see. is before they had uh, ever even met each other. Um, okay, so is this does this happen in the middle of the movie, or is this you know window dressing at the front that gets all handled uh, kind of in the first act? It does happen in kind of the middle of the second act. Uh, they meet okay. each other, and um, it is about the movie, the middle of the movie, yeah. Um, and then so really, his the the family coming together is kind of I guess would you say the focus of the movie or or part of the focus? Uh, that's the thing. See, Rob Zombie has entire sections of all of his movies where it's a weird decision to not uh, advance any plot, even like secondary <laughs> plots. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I you know I I was not gonna. I wasn't going to hammer at it, but I, but here's my thing is I'm not actually that big of a fan of Rob Zombie as a director. No, I think I he's a think fa- I think he's no. I think he's I think he's a fantastic director of music videos. Yeah. <laughs> um and I think but I think he commits a lot of lazy cinematic crime. Um <laughs> I I don't I don't think I don't think every movie that he does is bad, but I I I would say easily half if not more of his films are just 90 minute music videos with a a loose plot jackhammered through the center of them that you're, you know, you were left to kind of like drop your pinball through. So it rolls along lazily going like, Hey, look at this guy with a fucking clown mask. And Oh shit. These people are cannibals. And Holy crap. That guy's got a gun that looks like a penis or whatever the shit it is. Yeah. I, I, I have this written as kind of like a conclusion to this little review that I wrote. 
And it goes, um, I'm always asking myself if I like Rob Zombie's movies, and my conclusion is always, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which it it sounds like a non-answer, but it sure does say something. Yeah. (laughs) Because I have lots of people whose movies I can say, hell yeah, I like them, or hell no, I don't. And, um... You know, there's a there's a really good book by um, by filmmaker and uh, cinema journalist, a famous book called "Who the Devil Made It." Yeah, um, and that is a quote from uh, famed um, you know Silver Age of Cinema Howard Hawks when somebody asked him, "What do you like in movies, Howard?" And Howard, in his you know literal like um, you know the Air Force pants with the flares on the side and <laughs> it turns and he goes, "I like I like films where you can tell who the devil made it." And 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 what that means is and in this way I I've come around to actually kind of giving Rob a um a bit of a bit of a thumbs up, a bit of a compliment because if you could I, you know, even if you took Sherry Moon Zombie out of a movie, I might be able to sit down and go like, I think this is a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. But the reason the reasons for that are I wouldn't say are all positive. But I yeah. I I, I th- <laughs> that you know if I my favorite directors um they have a they have a style and they have certain signatures and uh, there isn't a focus of style I would say that the the signature of Rob Zombie is kind of a little bit of mera- meandering nonsense with peppered in kind of two dimensional last house on the left baddies yeah. that don't really make any fucking sense. Yeah. But um, grab you by the balls if you're a a fourteen year old boy who's hyped up on Mountain Dew. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. and that's fine. Like I, I also don't mean to indicate that I, I you know, we probably spent a, a, a total of. 10,000 hours playing role-playing games at, you know, in, in your, in your trailer while listening to Les Exorcista. Yeah. So like Rob, if for some reason you're listening to this huge fans yeah. of, the, of the rock and yeah. roll music, actually I'm a massive huge white zombie fan. Yeah. Really into white zombie. Um, and you have really good taste in movies. Yeah. You know, I, I I have a Blade Runner painting on the back of my leather jacket and, you know, your your most famous hit is uh, is is probably the best song about the movie Blade Runner. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as, and there's you know, been and, like a surprising, and, like large amount of songs about replicants. There really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Replicants, they they do good in um, they do good in songs. But yeah. uh, the 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 the, uh, you know, even. Even the kind of mm, uh, lost in translation to a certain extent, Caribbean zombie, Bella Lugosi vehicle, Dracula ripoff that is the movie White Zombie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a cool sounding thing to reference. Is it the best yeah. you know like fake Dracula movie ever? No, but it's all right. Uh, it's <laughs> it's interesting. But Rob, you got good taste, but you don't. You need like. Uh, somebody else to write your fucking movies, man. You make them look pretty cool. I don't. I don't know. That's the thing. Rob Zombie is also a person who genuinely doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He's that's fine. Yeah, yeah I know. He's like, I know. He's. I know. He's probably testing like free range vegan butt plugs in Malibu or wherever the shit he lives. I don't. I, you know. So I know he doesn't give a flying fuck. He's rich and and as directing the Munsters and I yeah, have a podcast. But so. I mean, I mean, that's that might be a bad thing because it bleeds into how he makes his movie. Because like, I'm gonna make it this way, and I'm gonna make it this way, and um, whether or not I'm figuring it out as I go. <laughs> Or I know what I'm doing, like, dead on. It doesn't matter, because <laughs> yeah. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And I think a lot of it is him figuring it out as he goes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, know. I mean, you know, maybe 16 or 17 more movies, he'll, uh, he'll, you know, he'll get it down. Yeah, but he's um, so cool. <laughs> he's also, like, really fun to be around. Because yeah, I bet he's, he's. I bet he's, he's actually a, a very uh, awesome guy. Yeah, I don't think 
anybody working with him on a movie is gonna is gonna like yell at him for for doing a bad job. Also, it's hard to tell what the movie's gonna look like while you're filming it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Devil's Advocate. Well, that, I mean, uh, that part literally is the director's job, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, I mean, but you, uh, Devil's Advocate. Uh, you know, he is a Californian. Um, who is a militant vegan who puts all his wife in all of his movies. So, yeah. you know, uh, if you, you could describe somebody that way and maybe not be naturally comported to thinking that they're the nicest person to be around. Yeah. So, I don't know, just devil's advocate, uh, you know, it's possible. Um, you know, I could imagine that combination being somebody that was not my favorite person. So, who knows? <laughs> maybe, you know... I don't know, maybe he puts, you know, like children's foreskins on his pizza. We don't really, I don't know the guy. Uh, but well, let's go back to the character. The character because Herman Munster, yeah. we have not even really explicitly said he's an obvious Frankenstein, right? Oh, yeah. I, it, seems, it seems like we don't have to say that. I feel like if, you're, if you listen to this show and you don't know who the fuck Herman Munster is, You've you've somehow gotten lost in a very dark forest, and I, maybe <laughs> you should go back and watch Dora the Explorer or something instead. But you know he's an obvious Frankenstein. <laughs> Am I correct in that in the world of the monsters, he was created by Grandpa? I'm pretty sure that's right, right? Um, in like, the old the, one, the, I think so. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm almost positive in the old one. Do they? Is yeah. his creation? Um, addressed in that way in this uh, film by Rob Zombie, or no? This is Professor Marmalade coming at you hot and ready from underneath one of the seven new hemp distribution centers in Morgantown, West Virginia. In both the original sitcom, as well as the new 2022 Rob Zombie feature film, Herman is the creation of a scientist, disconnected from the family itself. This is played up significantly in the feature film as each of Herman's parts are selected for a specific skill or quality, implying the desire to create not only a living man, but a great specimen or superman. Stay greasy, you rowdy cowhands. Professor Marmalade out. Yeah, the, it shows um, Dr. Wolfgang, uh, played by Richard Brake, uh, collects a bunch of parts from, uh, well, monsters. He ha- gets a zombie's arms at the very beginning of it. Um, he gets a dead comedian's head um, and various other parts. He collects them and puts them together in this uh, Dr. Frankenstein scene that has a lot of vibrant colors in the background and a lot of dramatic, like throw the switch. Um, uh, uh-huh, yeah, there's probably about six or seven throw the switches. And the, uh, there's a joke where the Frankenstein doesn't rise at first. So, um, uh-huh. so they, uh, young Frankenstein that for a while. Um, actually they, they young Frankenstein that completely because, uh, the assistant thinks that the Frankenstein doctor had said something. Okay. Similar right, to si- similar to Gene Wilder saying, "Oh, you made a yummy noise." <laughs> Put the candle back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, yummy noise. So, and this was another confusing thing, and I only just now kind of realized it. Um, the the Frankenstein creator of Herman Monster. I don't know if he's a bad guy or a good guy in the movie (laughs) because he meets Lily Munster and then kind of just fucks off. And like, um, Uh the, the, the Frankenstein creator character says he's your problem now. And then like, just wanders off, like totally fucks off out of the movie. Uh (laughs) And like the, yeah, he periodically comes back for, like, a couple of jokes, and I don't know why he would need to come back or why he would need to fuck off. I, I didn't understand. It was another confusing uh, <laughs> Rob Zombie choice to just have uh, the Frankenstein creator a, a focus of the first half of the movie and then gone and irrelevant in the second half. <laughs> well... You know, in his defense, Munsters, and to a lesser extent, or maybe a greater extent, Adam's family can can be a little bit that way. Yeah, where you're like, hey, we're going to introduce this thing, and um, hey, look, hilarious. But I will say that they did, they were because they were classic sitcoms. They tended to be 
tightly written in a way where you did use the the you used the whole buffalo so yeah. to speak where if there was a you know if there was a Chekhov's kitty cat in act 1 you know it would get paid off at uh, you know at least by the button at the end of the show <laughs> i'm noticing i'm clicking through old um original monster stuff i'm noticing how much of this little robot tin boy there actually was in this show <laughs> i do i do it feels like there's a mandela effect happening here where i do not remember this little tin boy he's like a cousin or something i don't remember this at all uh yeah it's robbie robot or something i don't i i have i really it's, it's who butch patrick I, supposedly plays in the uh in the yeah, one that I sure. watched, in the new one. So the monsters traditionally are Herman Munster. Lily Munster is a kind of um, generic Dracula's uh, wench babe wife. Eddie Munster is the the little widow widow's peak um, vampire boy. Yeah. Um, uh, Grandpa is the you know the older Uber Dracula and the I forget what is the what is the daughter's name? It's like fucking Susan or Emily or some shit. This is Professor Marmalade coming at you short and fatty from inside the little bell tower atop Woodburn Hall on the WVU campus to say her name is Marilyn. And Marilyn is Herman's niece, not daughter, that stays with the monsters, thus explaining why she isn't a weird horror movie cereal box person. Professor Marmalade out. Mar- Marilyn Munster. <laughs> yeah, Marilyn, who the joke is that she's just a regular blonde girl and they find her to be um, entirely confusing and vexing at every yeah, corner. Which is honestly really funny. Them. That's a really good gag. It, yeah, it's it, it's it's inherently strong because yeah. you can just do a lot with it. Yeah. Um and there's and there's a there's some kind of power where it would be really annoying if she was constantly off put and like pissed off about how weird her family is. Yeah. But Marilyn is just like rolling with the punches pretty much all the time. Yeah. Like if she was always like, Oh, my family's so weird. Why is there a dragon monster under the staircase? But she's not, she's just, you know, she's just is the way that she is. She's just the, you know, the black sheep, uh, but she's not curmudgeonly about it. She's yeah. just got a weird family. Um, you know, maybe she's adopted. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's come up. But uh, yeah, how would you, how would you observe this new depiction by um, Jeff Daniel? Who's he butts it? Um, oh, was it he, Jeff Daniel. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah, because I'm seeing the faces he's pulling, and he's definitely doing a a take on Fred Fred Gwynn's very um, broad, toothy. Uh, you know, almost silent movie performance. Yeah, I, so well, you think it, it, it works for you. Yeah, his his thing. It's not an impression of Fred Gwynn, and he's not trying That's to like. Good. You can tell he's not trying to imitate Fred Gwynn. He's trying to imitate Herman Munster. So okay, like he's not in in um not in the sense that he's trying to imitate Fred Gwynn doing Herman Munster. He's trying to do Herman Munster as you know him. Like the uh, way yeah, he sure. would do it, and it just so happens to be a really good Herman Munster. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Fred Gr- Fred Gwynn is obviously going to be iconically that character forever, yeah. and I think the smart thing would be to do your own take and to take notes as to the things that work. Yeah, um, at the at the core of the Fred Gwynn performance, which is. Uh, an extreme kind of like positivity and naivete, yeah, um, that allows you to be like totally confuzzled in in nearly every situation as to why things are are not working out or why people, do, you know, are fl- running away in terror, yeah, from you know you picking up their used car to move it across the lot or whatever, and and so I'm glad that it works. I'm I I would I of all of those characters I think. Herman would be the if you fucked it up, people would be the most mad because yeah. it's it's not just that he's the 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 male protagonist in the mid twentieth century TV sitcom. It's also that he is also the heart of the show because he is yeah. perhaps for some reason the most gullible yeah. and always <laughs> always he's always also put into the most sticky situations. Yeah, a- and so he's always he's a despite being you know a colossal corpse man. He is kind of really the butt of most of the jokes. You know, the other characters are not beat up on the way that Herman is. Yeah. 
Um, and so you kind of have to love him if you buy into the reality of the show. So um, it's totally essential that he not be despised in a new version. Yeah, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips's Herman Munster was a lot... He was faster. He was kind mm-hmm. of... Uh, he wasn't like quick-witted or anything. He just had um, a speedier delivery and okay. um, a little bit more frantic... Uh, uh, joke compiling, but he made it. A, it was still a Herman Munster. Like he didn't ruin okay. it. Okay, he wasn't like an okay. overactive. That's too. That's too active for Herman Munster or anything, because he he kept the essence of it um, behind his performance constantly, and it was really good, and really fucking funny. Like he made all okay. of the groaning jokes and like um, terrible, terrible one-liners and. Um, the simplistic setup jokes. He made them funny because I I don't know. I don't know how he made them funny. He just did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't <laughs> seen the performance, but in, in the case of Fred Gwynn, you just really have to buy into, you really have to push, basically just shove your energy through the cathode ray tubes of the television yeah. <laughs> into, into the eyes of the audience with just, uh, in a way... A sort of you know um, actorly faith that this is going to work uh, because <laughs> because the scenes are so contingent on you being a version of a straight man that doesn't get that every scene that you're in is slapstick yeah and, and yeah. <laughs> you just you just have to swing at it and uh, yeah hope it goes I think and um, it sounds like it's working in his case so that's that's good that's kinda good like, to hear kind of like how Will Ferrell is a real life Herman Munster <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah I mean Will Ferrell is very much uh, the majority of his characters they have us they are taking their turns are very similar where yeah. <laughs> They are, they tend to be naive buffoons with a grandiose ignorance of how, how they are perceived (laughs) in the world and that they can, they can be smashed over the head with baseball bats and run over with cars and kicked in the balls because they are these massive invincible buffoons, right? Yeah. Uh, there, There must be some kind of archetype there that I, that, that, that is embroiled up in that I can't pull off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, there's very much in, in, you know, if you just, if you just pointed at Will Ferrell and said, pick, make a character right now, you know, there's almost 95% likely he's going to pick somebody in that zone of, you know, a big, ignorant, confident jerk. Yeah. Right. And the, the only difference is that, um, basically Herman Munster is not allowed to ever be the jerk. He is, he's, um, he's almost like cartoonishly feminine in his traditional portrayal in the sense that, you know, he couldn't hurt a mouse. You know, there is an intense juxtaposition, there's an intense juxtaposition between the softness with which the character lives in the world and how he is perceived by everyone else. Yeah. You know, he, he might accidentally step on your Volkswagen bug and crush it, but he's not going to intentionally harm you, right? Um, yeah. And, and he's an, um, an incredibly delicate person, which in a way actually internalizes, you know, one of the central aspects to the, the, the greater Frankenstein's monster myth that is, you know, crucial um, to how we, we see that, this, you know, iconic version of the constructed man, that yeah. he, if he if he he has to be gentle at his core, or else he would really would be a monster that would be worth setting on fire and pitchforking to oblivion. Yeah, yeah. Just that uh, Rob Zombie really really likes his wife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and or they both like. Um, being rich and famous. And all of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, the, I, I'm trying to think of another example of a, a director that's always got his wife and everything that stands out to me. And, um, no, the closest near example is um, all of the gargoyles that Tim Burton demands to put in his films over and over <laughs> again. 
um, which I would not care so much if not for um, Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street, being an absolute hack job because he refuses to put anybody other than um, uh, you know human human bottle of Cab Sav Johnny Depp and um, you know that. Uh, that like English murder fortune woman from Fight Club, who's looks like she's <laughs> ma- made out of kneecaps. It was like neither of you can sing. This is a fucking singing movie. Yeah, guys, hey, neither of you can sing at all. Sasha there, Baron Cohen. I, I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen was fine. He was actually. awesome. That that role was good. It's also that song that that has like a couple of gags in one song, and that character is dead. You know, the, yeah. the, doing the main characters primarily, um, primarily the the Angela Lansbury, um, you know, the murderous meat pie woman. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the character right now. And Sweeney Todd, they have a bunch of numbers, specifically Sweeney. The, and these people can't fucking sing. They're not singers. Yeah, it's almost it's it's it was sad that that year the world was bereft of anybody that could both act and sing. That the, the, it pisses me off so fucking much. I've seen so many good versions of Sweeney Todd, and you know I've seen off Broadway versions live. I, there's a classic uh, version with Angela Lansbury that's like the Eng, the English looking version where everything's brown and just sad as balls, and and there's uh, there's easily a dozen actors that have already done it at a massive skill level, and you know to. Uh, to give it to this like wife abusing human pile of scarves uh, is just <laughs> pisses me off. I'm like, the, like everything about else about this movie could have been maintained as is. I like you, Tim Burton. You make things look like the inside of Edward Gorey's, um, you know, night terrors and I'm all for it, but <laughs> it's like, stop fucking casting these same three goddamn people. <laughs> Get, uh, you know, make four more friends. I and I know it's hard for you, but th- <laughs> I, go to a couple parties. All right. Um, so anyway. So anyway. I have noticed something uh, co- common between Dark Shadows, Adam's Family, and the Munsters, and all of their remakes. Which okay. is the plot is centered around a family fortune or in, or real estate inheritance. Yes, because always because of the um, nature of the show, the one thing that you could do could do is take the house away. Yeah, you know? yeah. The, 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 the reality <laughs> itself seems to be contingent upon the fact that they vampires live. need havens. <laughs> Yeah, where else are we going to find another house with all these weird murder holes in it? And somewhere to put the dragon monster. And, you know, like, you can't can't live in a fucking subdivision. Um, So, yeah, having a real estate agent or a developer as your your villain is always natural, you know, or... um, What's his? What's her name? Gross Point Blank's uh, uh, sister, Joan Cusack, to come and, and <laughs> Joan Cusack? come and take take the take the fortune away. If you can do an impression of Joan Cusack, you can also do an impression of Drew Barrymore. <laughs> are they really? Uh, oh, they are very similar. Yeah, Drew is Barrymore is a little bit more babyish, babyish, and just a little and, more, just a little more. Th- the lisp is a little bit sharper. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I'm. I like Joan Cusack. I Jeez. like Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like a. I like a tall woman with an odd face. Yeah, <laughs> just, just a, I'm a fan. No, I know. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I know. You. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I mean, d- the same as in real life is bankers, and I mean, actually, real estate agents are fine. They're just, <laughs> they, there's something for all those Gwen- Gwyneths and and um, Emilys and Janets to have to do with their days. So you know, it's fine. <laughs> uh, just that, um, 
<laughs> like I said earlier, uh, I'm always asking myself, do I like Rob Zombie's movies? And the answer is always a solid, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I hit a real saturation point with the Halloween remake because I, I, I am, eh, you just, there are certain things you're not going to do better than John Carpenter. And I'm not somebody who thinks that John Carpenter is uh, a perfect um, demigod who makes only untouchable masterpieces. I think he's a fallible human who makes some movies great and some movies not so great. You yeah. know, I like Prince of I like Prince of Darkness, but I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, you know, I like In the Mouth of Madness. I think it's very good, but there. Are, you Wait, know, what? I, Prince of uh, Darkness. Yeah, you don't know Prince of Darkness. Prince um, of Darkness is one of is the most overlooked in his apocalypse. Oh, um, never series. mind, never mind. Yeah, but it's the one where the devil is just a jar of churning um, green juice in yeah. the in the bottom of a church. Yeah, and it it psychologically takes over all of these characters, including um, Alice Cooper, who is the the leader of a band of um, indigent people outside yeah. for some reason. Yeah, I really and like that movie. I for some reason when you said that got that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie stuck in my head. Like, the one where he grenade launches Satan. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the one where Satan is played by, what's his name, the Scottish dude? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you're a fucking choir boy compared to me. My <laughs> choir boy. Uh, yeah. No, not that, not that one. Is it the, that's the one... Is it also the one where he puts a um, like pizza in a blender and, and yeah. drinks it like a protein shake at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, like end you of days. Oh, geez, yeah, I'm you th way you off think it's scenes you think you think it's scenes from Last Action Hero because it's so over the top where he's like he's really pay, playing like ba Bane from The Simpsons, but yeah, no, it's just no, it's just so fucking on the nose. Then you're like, As, I'm pretty sure this guy's going to retire or die of a coronary any minute. Yeah, I don't but, know uh, why I thought that movie was called Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, that would be too classy of a name for a movie for Schwarzenegger <laughs> to wear a brown leather coat in. Um, and I and I love I love I love Schwarzenegger movies. I'm not hating, but he's, yeah. he he has a he has a flavor and he sticks to it. Yeah, there is a flavor. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I I'm not into Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm I he he's just he's not someone whose storytelling um, instincts are on that level. He yeah. has some very good visual instincts. He's good at making friends with cool horror people because yeah. he's a fucking horror. He's a fucking horror nerd who's very famous and has cool hats. So um, <laughs> yeah, you've you know like your your Al Jurgensen impression has gotten you friends with some of the weirdest yeah. you know like horror <laughs> convention celebrities that anybody's ever met. And I'm I will not hate on the recently uh, deceased Sid Haig. I'm pro Sid Haig. Don't get me twisted, folks. Yeah. Um, I like Chop Top. I like Sid Haig. I like all them fuckers. I'm just, I that, have opinions that about weird movies. little French child, or is he like Dutch? Um, I don't know what you mean. I, but I'll take your <laughs> weird little, and starring weird little Dutch child. Yeah, his name uh, is like De Dag Farrick or something. <laughs> okay. okay. Sure. Sure. I there's a lot of them I haven't seen. Yeah, these, these Rob Zombie <laughs> movies because I pulled the ripcord way earlier than a lot of the uh, a lot of the guys in the plane, you know, ready to, to <laughs> hop on, hop down to Ripton and find their assault rifles and blow blast yeah. each other in the face. I am but, glad um, that um, Rob Zombie has made efforts to normalize goggles on cowboy hats. <laughs> because yeah, by God, sure. that's exactly the type of thing that I want to wear. And, and do often. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah in, ca in case you're, you're driving a cartoon rat rod through a, um, you know, a Saturday morning, you know, a, a Saturday morning, like, uh, uh, let's see, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, you know, Mad, Mad, Mad World yeah. MacGuffin race. And the wind kicks up and you need to you need to make sure you can see better than the competition. Yeah, you know, maybe that's you have a mute. 
maybe you have a mute troll sidekick. That's what your goggles on your cowboy hat are for. God damn it. Yeah. Um, They're in there uh, because I didn't have the essence to include the magnification in my cyber eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's, he's, he's also a big, he's a big proliferator of the too much fucking shit on your leather jacket club. Oh you know, yeah. The, the, I love the, that club. The too, the too club. much shit on your, yeah, I'm also on that club. We're, yeah, both, we're both in that big, club. We're, we're both way high ranking on the council of too much fucking shit on this leather jacket yeah. guys from <laughs> yeah. the 90s. Um, a dog and, collar, you know, a chain, a Barbie head, yeah. and like 60, 70 buttons? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I'm I'm right up there with y'all. I, the last time I got my jacket out was that Nine Inch Nail show that I went to a week or three ago, and yeah. it felt it felt good to put the battle jacket on. I don't know how many more battles it's got left in it because yeah. it, that leather is leather starting to crack. Yeah, and my, it was not the most expensive jacket to begin with. It's not um, gorgeous English leather from you know Bristol or some shit. It it came yeah. I think it came from came from you know outside of Houston or something. Yeah. yeah Let's get out of the segment and go over to the next part of the show where we ask, is Rob Zombie's Herman Munster bitchin' fan art? Is it, is it, is it, is it it bitchin' fan art? Kind of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. As much as much as I don't want to put this endorsement on this version, I have to say that historically, Herman Munster Herman Munster has been um, capable of putting on a cartoonish leather jacket and driving a silly little rat rod car around yeah. like a like a hilarious you know um, you know big man in a little car yeah and and because of that he has the potential he has lots of. 19 late 50s early 60s greaser culture vibes yeah um so i'm gonna say that herman munster basically regardless of what you do with him can be bitchin fan art this is true yeah um you know rat finks all the way down yeah so uh yeah okay all right and um well, uh, I love it when some of them are really easy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, it's satisfying. It's weird. Us, Weirdly satisfying. Yeah. I had a thing, and now it's buried so deep in my tabs. There it is. There it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you seen this image before? Um. No, uh, no. So, so who am I? Who is, who is glaring at us with um, the 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 death stare of a million stuns, a million suns? I, I, uh, well, shit. I'm kind of doubting myself. Is it Sam Neil? Yeah, it is. It is okay. Sam Neil. Okay. It is a it is a now Twitter famous photo of Sam Neil with a g- g- with incredibly the, large tumble tumbleweed on his head. On his head. Yeah. <laughs> um, staring at us, what and it appears to be what uh, some kind of he must be on set because he appears to be in the the costume of some kind of like prospector suspenders, unless he unless he's got you know like a. Uh, panning for gold costume that he wears on his ranch when nobody's looking, but it I doesn't seem too likely. <laughs> but uh, Sam Sam Neil on Twitter is just a very wholesome kind of guy that hangs out with famous people, <laughs> and, and so um, I'm not a I'm not a big Twitter person, but sometimes the best parts of Twitter bleed onto parts of the internet that I see, and he's just uh, just Sam Neil with a gigantic um, tumbleweed on his head. <laughs> it's just uh just fucking funny. Um that is so funny. uh I highly recommend I'll put it on the Instagram. Everybody go out there and Google Sam Neil with a tumbleweed on his head and um <laughs> you'll have a little you'll have a little chuckle ski poo. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you would be so kind as to tell a friend, or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, or the maximum thing that you can do on whatever uh, platform that you listen to us on, that really does help by the time this comes out, 
I will probably have new videos on my Twitch channel and YouTube channel. I'm Gavin Longshanks. Look me up if you want. Uh, yeah, do that. Share an episode on your favorite social media. We're not doing much on there, but we'd love the help. And uh, hit up the Instagram again for images that we reference on the show, such as the uh, Sam Neils with weird shit on his head. Nick, comment on the Instagram that I've recently found out I can just go into... <laughs> Uh, tell and us. recently found out I had sent you about 3,700 <laughs> direct messages yeah, of things yeah. far so, and wide. So Gavin Longshanks is on Instagram now. You can, I guess, follow me if you want. But go to the show. Go to the Oops All Monsters Instagram. Comment on that one and give us monster suggestions. Um, send us role-playing game stories. Send us any kind of story that you want via email. Our email being oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Electronic mail. Jump into the 90s. And if you <laughs> want to toss a coin into our potion fund, we do not hammer this point, but we would really appreciate to get some contributions at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really generous and want to go monthly at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful, that 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 my wonderful, my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song, her work as part of the duo, the Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And this has been... Oops. Old smashing smashing through the paper mache wall. I love the Munsters. Munsters is pretty entertaining. <clears throat> it's it, it's it hard good. to fuck. Rob Zombie couldn't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sick bird. Oh, sick. Uh, <laughs> hot takes. All right. Stopping the presses. <laughs> <laughs>